Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Tonight, we are talking about some of the more popular ways to play our favorite games while social distancing. If you've put your game on hold just to keep everyone alive through this pandemic, we've got a couple of the most popular ways to play together away from each other. I'm Jad, and tonight I'm talking with Beth. Hello. David. Hey, everyone. And Sarah. Hi. So before we get into all of that, uh, there was a really interesting article that I wanted to talk about. Uh, this was uh, published uh, January 12th, and it is about a new, of course, it'll be linked in the description of the episode, but it's about a new D&D supplement guide, uh, which I say I found it. That's not actually true. Chad found it. <laughs> That's not even true. Some of my friends found it. <laughs> Isn't that I'm how I'm lazy? Okay. And that's not true. Their uncle told them about it. Hey, <laughs> yeah, that sounds accurate. That's funny. So this Polygon article talks about uh, a new supplement guide put out by Watsi or Wizards of the Coast. We don't usually talk about D&D 5e content. But I thought this one was interesting. And I thought it was interesting for three distinct reasons. One, you have a collection of brand new uh, adventures that are uh, very short, uh, concise for a variety of levels. So already love it. Two, it's done by a bunch of freelance indie writers which honestly is not something that D&D is always been known for um so that's fantastic mm-hmm. uh and then third and this is what was pointed out in the headline and what probably many of you heard about is one of the dungeons uh dungeon crawls one of the adventures is a accessible dungeon what that means is it is meant to be explored by all types of players, including those who use wheelchairs. So, I kind of wanted to talk about this. There's a lot. Absolutely. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> I'm super stoked for this. New content is all <laughs> I'm always excited to see new, more different things. Mm-hmm. So having independent writers and, like, different accessibility which is something that you know we haven't seen a lot of so far i think is fantastic mm-hmm. it's great to see it and i think it's also great to see it coming from the big publishers too because you know something that i've thought a lot about is like running your own games right like you have the creative power you have the ability to shape the world the way that you want to see it but also if you're a dm unless you're in sort of highly situational circumstances that's probably not your actual job (laughs) so the amount of of time and resources that you can sink into say research or you know making these worlds into something that you want to see more inclusive more accessible more anything like that like there's only a limited amount of time and resources that you can put towards that so seeing that the big companies are now taking an interest in it and promoting more accessibility and more diversity and doing hopefully the research to make these uh adventures actually good and actually mm-hmm. talking to people who have these experiences and doing that. My words went right out the window right now. <laughs> well, what's cool about this one is it's actually written uh, by somebody who uh, who uses an ambulatory wheelchair. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Jennifer Kretschmer. Ooh. Probably said that last name wrong, but yeah. They actually have an actual play called uh, Silver and Steel. 
I'll have to give that a so, listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's actually quite a bit of resources. So I did not know any of this before I read this article, but there was a indie supplement guide that was talking about a combat wheelchair, which is just cool. That sounds rad. <laughs> this was put into the official canon of Critical Role. So that's really popular. The one thing I did know, because I uh, used to listen to it, was um, Adventure Zone. There's an NPC that uses a wheelchair um, on their current season. And uh, there are 3D print models that you can download, which is amazing, uh, that are a variety of different NPCs utilizing wheelchairs. That's so cool. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure that there will be people who are like, this is silly. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> and those people are wrong and they feel <laughs> yeah. bad. <laughs> uh, I also don't think that like every single dungeon ever needs to be you know, ADA compliant. Uh, that's <laughs> dumb, and that's not what this is. Uh, we're going to go back and we're going to retcon every dungeon that exists to make it ADA compliant. Hey, no. hey, hey, evil wizard, where did you get these permits? <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> this, this is not up to code. This basement bedroom needs to have an, uh, an escape window, okay? You cannot get out of here if there's a fire. You need at least six feet of clearance. Nigel would be all over the egress window. There we go. Got their <laughs> regulations wrong. Oh, I love it. In the epilogue, Nigel becomes a magical house inspector. Yeah. Well, Ni- Nigel already was a magical house inspector, basically. Well, now he's yeah. a traveling one. Now he Falls goes to house the doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I just I know that that's not what they're trying to do, right? Like, this is just more options for more people. Yeah. Also, to me, it makes much more sense, especially for, like, a wizard's tower. Wizards be old, yo! (laughs) Yeah. We don't want to climb stairs. It makes super sense to me that a dungeon tower uh, uh, with a wizard, you know, who obviously has a bunch of resources, magical and otherwise, because he built a freaking tower, might also be like ramps, yo. Think about how much easier it would be to move all of those books with a cart with wheels mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. carrying them like two at a time up the stairs. See, really, I, I think this is just going to open more like people's eyes to this kind of stuff and opens options for GMs who, you know, maybe don't have the time to write a full adventure themselves. Mm-hmm. More options equal more uh, good gaming. Yes. So yeah, I am all about freelance writers appearing in a Dungeons and Dragons book. So, uh, hey, Paizo, when, when are you going to be publishing one? Hey, hey Paizo. Hmm? When, when, when? No, a- I mean, not, obviously not soon enough, but they so they definitely work with a lot of independent writers already. But I don't know. This to me is a really cool concept, and I I would love to see Paizo attempt to steal it. That's how I feel. <laughs> I would love to see Paizo attempt to one up it somehow. Yes, probably. Love it. All right. Well. I think it's time to get into our main topic of the day. Uh, And we're rounding out about a almost a full year since uh, some people have gone into quarantine. And even before that, there were a lot of online resources. I wanted to talk about our experience, right? There are what I consider least technical ways of gaming online. And then we can kind of move on from there. 
Uh, I do also want to point out that this is focusing on Pathfinder 2 and what places have Pathfinder 2 resources available to them. But honestly, especially when you're talking about some of the more less technical things, it's pretty easy to use any system. And anything that's going to have Pathfinder support is mostly going to have D&D support as well. Mm-hmm. First thing I want to talk about, what are the basics? What do you need to sit sit down, air quotes, uh, with your friends and play a game? Socially distant. One. Friends. Aww. So, actually... I'll never be able to play again. <laughs> Excuse I'm me, really- Chad, we're <laughs> friends. Yeah, I have friends again. Right. Wow, Chad. Uh, that's actually a really great place to start. Um, there's a lot of online communities. Uh, there are people in your community who I guarantee are looking for players right now. Look for those groups. Reach out to local game stores. People are looking for players. Like, I guarantee it. I can tell you that in the Kansas City area, which is where we're located, there's a group called the Role Players Guild of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They not only help facilitate uh, players getting together online, right now, before it was in person, but we also hold uh, monthly online game days where we play games. Uh, there's been a Star Trek game that's been pretty popular recently. So, yeah, there are absolutely online resources for finding that community and finding people that hopefully you can get along with. I'm very fortunate that I have one, two, three, four of those groups. (laughs) So I am not lacking in groups that are willing to play with me, fortunately. Yeah, I'm also in three groups. Uh, I'm in this one. I have a D&D 5e game with my siblings. Luckily, I was blessed with siblings who are also nerds. And I'm also in one with one of my friends from college and some of their other college friends. So, Absolutely love it. What about uh, Chad and David? What other games are you in? Uh, I am in two, the one one here with you guys, uh, and in a and d group with some friends. And now Heather, my wife, is actually looking to uh, play as well. So now Ooh. it looks like I'm going to have to find a, find a third group. You've seduced awesome. her into playing. I have. <laughs> she bought a dice holder when she has two sets of dice. Nice. Hey, it's it's, it's a, a start, start. okay? <laughs> the start that, to a wonderful addiction. <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to talk about that here in a second. Ooh. So, hold on to that dice roller. David, what oh, about you? Roller. Uh this is my only game right now. Uh there's, you know, before uh COVID and lockdown, there was some talk about starting up another one, but that never really happened. So, just this one. Stuck with us. <laughs> I would say uh now now is a great time for you to reach back out to those friends. And I'm not just talking to David. I'm talking to everybody who's listening. Reach out to your friends. I'm positive. Like, right now is a really stressful time. Maybe they're looking for right now to, to be a time to hang out. Yeah. Play some, play some video games. Or not video games. That play too. But virtual board games. Game. <laughs> tabletop game. All right. But back to the dice holder. So when we're talking about basics, number one, we've got a group of players, right? Mm -hmm. Anywhere from two, maybe even just one. It's you and one other person. There was a point in college where we ran a game with three people, the GM and two players. So it can happen. Then you need, for most systems, and again, we're focusing on Pathfinder 2, you need dice. Now, in a digital space, you can do this a couple different ways. You can, and and trust me, as a GM, I'm telling you, 
you can trust your players. Shocking, I know. But you could let them roll their dice at home. I mean, the act of physically rolling dice is nice. Yes. Very satisfying. Now, I will say I don't prefer that. I find that I have... My desk is a bit of a mess. So, uh... Yeah, I don't need more things cluttering my desk. But... Other people love it. I'm not gonna lie. I dusted off my dice this past weekend. And I just rolled them for a good while. Because I missed it. I just missed it so much. That's great. If you have problems with one of your players where you think that they're fudging roles, honestly, just talk to them. But in the end, this is a collaborative game. This is a game we're playing together. Trust your players. If they really want to use their dice, let them use their dice. Uh, I really just don't have a problem with it. However, there are a couple options. If, one, your players cannot be trusted, in my opinion, maybe find some different players, but, you know, teach their own. Quick Quick side note. Maybe ask your players why they're fudging their roles. Because (laughs) just to bring this back around to the Adventure Zone, I believe it was Travis who got in trouble for fudging his roles sometimes. But he was like, great, but also I don't want to spend 15 minutes re-rolling the same dice like in order to get you know a 17 mm-hmm. and and that's different because like they're also recording right they're also making a podcast and so like in this case Travis knew that like him not succeeding wouldn't would just slow down the narrative and not like right really help that much so just a side note yeah but if you want to uh roll dice Digitally, there's a couple of ways to do that. Uh, my f- personal favorite is the Wizards of the Coast die roller. And you'll be like, Beth, I thought this was Pathfinder 2 pack. It is. This is the second time that we've brought up Wizards of the Coast. However, I think, I think most people will be surprised to know that you use the same dice sets in both <laughs> games. Little known fact. I don't think that's but. a <laughs> But... It is a very good dice roller. I am not positive that Watsy <laughs> still realizes this thing is active. Because it hasn't been updated since 2005. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, it, you tr- it's true. It's literally my favorite. I've used it for, oh god, I'm old, a decade now. Anyway, okay. it allows you to add modifiers on the fly, roll multiple dice. It, it is basic, but with enough functionality to work. So, and it keeps a log of your rolls as well. Oh, that's helpful. It is. Uh, it absolutely is. And it doesn't persist through, like, if you close it and reopen it, it doesn't persist. But you can reset it as well. So, like, just enough functionality to be awesome, but not too much functionality to where your players are going to struggle. Because remember, right now we're on the low end of technology. Kind of moving up in that functionality department, we have dice.run. David, do you want to talk about this a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I, I literally just did a quick Google search for you know best dice roller. And after skipping like three different junk articles, I finally found a good one. Uh, and it pointed to to this dice dot run. You open it up, and it gives you immediately this like st- statistical layout of you know your probabilities of what your role is going to be, and it'll adjust it based on you know what you input as what you want to roll, and then uh, also you know keeping track of you know the irregularities and the random number generator that it uses. But the only way you can enter anything into there is just to type it in at the top. So, like, I can type in 4D35 plus plus 700. 
and I just rolled a 775. So, like, you can do some really crazy Sounds stuff. Sounds realistic. Well, mm-hmm. and it gives you the probability of each number. I just, That's a crazy I, attack roll. I just rolled a sphere. <laughs> it's really cool. I yeah. like it a lot. If you're a probability nerd, math nerd, anything like that, you might really like this. It's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. And then we'll get into some other options here in a bit. But those those are some two good starter. There is the Google Dice Roller that we have talked about before on this podcast that I am not allowed to use anymore. Mm, definitely Even not. though supposedly it's been fixed. Yeah, I couldn't find... I swear I found an article on it one time because like enough people were like, Google, we think this is broken. So I, th- I think they fixed it, but Googling google dice roller google won't recognize its own name because it think there's enough people who have googled the word google that google is like "Mm, you have one brain cell between all of you so (laughs) it's impossible to find the article i tried if you found that article please send it to us on twitter so that we can uh tell sarah she's wrong please (laughs) but anyway I want to talk next about character sheets. So fillable PDF forms are not new. This is something that has been around for a really long time. I have a personal favorite because I made it (laughs) Hmm. Uh, and posted it to the forums. Uh, But there are literally any format you want. There are some, these mad, mad people who went, and did a horizontal layout, Ugh. like the play test. How dare they? Ugh, disgusting. Can we link that? Because I want to see it. Uh, if I can find it again. That was probably a year ago when I saw that. I, I mean, I, I, I must have been the only one, but I actually liked it. So. I mean, obviously not, mm. because somebody spent time in yeah. a freaking illustrator and made one. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my thing is that I think if you're using it in an online format, it works better, right? Because that's the way your monitor is laid out. Like my, my least. Okay. Okay. Crazy code lady. Uh, most people's monitors, ooh, um, are laid out horizontally and not vertically, but. I, that's one of my things that when we play online is that I'm always like scrolling up and down my character sheet because I want it to be sufficiently zoomed, but I also want to read the whole thing. So I haven't looked at the horizontal character sheets. I think it would be hard to make it aesthetically pleasing. Uh, some people really like them. If I can find it... I will link it in the description. We're going to have, this will be one of those episodes where we have just a bunch of links down there. So, so many links. Oh, you know, it happens. <laughs> However, there is someone who is even more crazy. Oh. There are people out there who just use a blank Google Doc as their character sheet. I think Flawless. I know. It's like the Wild someone West. Someone who does this. Who does that? <laughs> Beth shouts across the room at her husband. <laughs> it's divorce worthy, I'm telling you. Oh please. I, I think I think the true chaotic evil though is uh MS Paint. <laughs> <laughs> oh you monster. Yes. Please, please send me your character sheets in MS Paint. I am here for it. No. I'm not actually, I would hate it. Now we need an alignment chart for uh, <laughs> character sheets. Okay, I'm gonna. We're gonna that. we're gonna have to come up with like six okay. more types of character sheets. <laughs> oh, honey, I got you. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All I, right, I've, I've already got a list of my eights. Send them uh, to me. I'll make it. I'll I, make I am coming up with this as we speak. Amazing. Uh, but anyway, there are lots of online resources. Uh. What's that app, uh, Chad, that you used to use to make your characters? Oh, I use uh, Hero Lab. That works, but that's mainly because I can't find any apps to uh, make Pathfinder characters uh, for Apple. 
Oh, for Apple. Because I thought there was, like, a PF Builder. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if that's... I think that's... I don't think it's for for Apple. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, absolutely. You can use Hero Lab. Uh, I think it's a subscription service, but you get access to, like, all the rules and stuff. Uh, I used to have a friend who was obsessed and bought every single book for Pathfinder (laughs) 1 in Hero Lab. He still has them. I mean, he's probably spent $500. I do like that I can access, like, most of the rules for my character just right there within my character sheet. But at the same time, I'd still rather go to, like, the archives, archives of Nethys at times, just in the side tab. So it's not entirely worth the uh, subscription. In your opinion. Yeah. But, but it, it is, is an really option. nice. It is really nice. Now, for spell management, I know that that is a problem for some people because uh, there's a lot of spells out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, what do you use? I'm talking about magic. We start over to David's corner. <laughs> uh, Listen, we know your strengths, okay? Yep. The only magic user in the group. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, magic and not secrets, okay? <laughs> or gods. <laughs> Just magic. <laughs> Only magic. No secrets. No secrets. Um, so th- this is something that uh, I started using uh, even when we were meeting up together. Uh, but I, I, I use it at my desk now that we're remote as well. Uh, it's, it's this program called Magic Set Editor 2. And its original purpose is to make like custom uh, Magic the Gathering cards. So once again, we're back on Wasi. Uh, but I use like a basic text format, and then I just take like the you know spell name and uh, description, damage, whatever, and paste it on this card, and then print them all out. So then for my wizard, I'll be like, okay, well I've got three level one spell slots. So I'll slap down three level one cards. Here's my level twos. And, and uh, I bought like some card protector sleeve things too. So then I'll, I'll take like a, like a dry erase marker. And just like scribble little things like, oh, this is heightened to level four. Whatever. What happens if you place it face down in defense position? Uh, that's how you summon the blue eyes white dragon. <laughs> yes, I knew it! <laughs> What the heck just happened? We <laughs> into a nerddom that, that I don't know too that much That is about. the only Yu-Gi-Oh! reference I know, but it's okay, because it's the best one. Oh, I'll have so many more for you. Don't you worry. Okay. The heart, uh, the heart no. of the cards. <laughs> I actually think that I am done. <laughs> I haven't even said a pun yet. <laughs> no puns are needed. Beth's already done. So, we've talked about dice, we've talked about character sheets, we've talked about having friends. How are we going to talk to our friends? Uh, with social distancing in place. Well, there are a couple obvious options. And I say obvious because uh, they've been around for a little while. Uh, I'm sure you've seen memes about it at this point. But you could use Zoom. You could. <laughs> Zoom that is calls? A, that is a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could use things like Scoom. Scoom? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the only thing. Is that school Zoom? Zoom? Is that what they call it? Is Scoom? That yes, that is what the kids are calling it. it, it it's, it's skooma, the drug of choice. Thank in, you, uh, skooma. Thank you. That's what I was. Skyrim and Marwin. No. Anyway, uh, you can use things like Zoom. Although, if you do use it for free, there are limitations on how long it can, how long it lasts. Uh, if you already subscribe to something like Skype or Microsoft Teams. Uh, which Microsoft also owns Skype. Don't ask. 
why they own two of those things, but whatever. Uh, so you can use those types of services. Uh, if you're really hip with the kids. You can use TikTok. Wait. Finger guns. <laughs> uh, no, you absolutely. As far as I know, you cannot use TikTok for gaming. Oh, uh, please you don't. For gaming, gaming memes. And it's great. Yeah. Uh, I follow some really cool TikTok uh, people who, who meme things. And it's great. Uh, but you could use FaceTime. Why? You could. Uh, once you again, could. you could. You could yeah, use you could. Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Facebook Messenger has video chat now. Google Duo. Google Hangouts. Um, Google Duo is like how you type in passwords. No, there's also another video chat. Really? Uh, yeah. 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 I, I am not hip with the kids, apparently. Uh, D&D group attempted the Facebook Messenger video chat. Never going back. Never That's ever. That was great. horrifying. We used it for Christmas and it wasn't too bad. Maybe they've fixed it since then, but never. I have never no idea. Back. It was very easy for my mother-in-law uh, to use. I think that's just Facebook's slogan. <laughs> really easy for mother-in-laws <laughs> to use. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just depends on how technical your, your group is. The best, in my opinion, because it's free, uh, because the functionality that it offers is Discord. Because it's what we use. (laughs) Because literally it's what we use. I have, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 servers on Discord. Uh, about half of those I actually pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But I'll meet up. That with sounds people. right. You have text channels. You have audio channels. You can enable video. Like as we're recording this, we are using a bot that records, which is super awesome. It's how we record all of our audio. Uh, shout out to Craig. There are bots you can use to roll dice. Mm-hmm. Right. So then now everybody can see your dice rollers right in one of the text chats. Uh, limited functionality, but still work. There's a couple of different uh, types. I would like to say you can also, depending on how much you're willing to invest uh, into making bots, you can make your own. Uh, one of my friends made an Animal Crossing Discord server. And so like we would use that for voice chat if we all wanted to visit somebody's island. And they made a bot that compared uh that kept a log of dinosaur fossils and artwork and so you could see like which dinosaur fossils you already had how many until your collection was completed if you wanted to trade with somebody else you could do that because you could look at which fossils they had it was amazing that that is actually super impressive yeah so yeah and you don't even have to get that complicated. You can. And that really, to me, is the sign of a good application. Something where you can start off pretty easy, get everybody involved, and then expand as you need to. I have a server that literally has one text channel and one voice channel. And then I have another server who has multiple sections with multiple rooms, text and voice. Like, entire conventions are being run in Discord now. Gaming convention. Um, really, really cool stuff is happening. So, highly recommend Discord. You don't have to use video. You can just use voice. But, mm-hmm. I will say, as I'm sitting here, I am staring at my friends like uh i am watching sarah knit as we talk and yep. uh david laugh at me even when he's muted and we can't hear him <laughs> uh i can see chad's cat as he walks across the keyboard he's being good right now hi killer <laughs> everybody it, chad's cat is adorable that's the cat not the murderer in the room although there is also a murderer in the room did you imply that Chad's a murderer? No, no, the guy next to me. Oh, okay. Obviously. Duh. 
And sometimes it's just really nice. So my Sunday group doesn't really use cams. Uh, except when my dog comes in and wants to say hello to everybody. And I'll pick him up and I'll put him on my lap and I'll turn my camera on. And everybody will say hi to Odin. Sometimes I'll even put my he- uh, headphones <laughs> on him. And he'll look very spooked. I can imagine that, yes. Uh, and then I put him back down and we move on. It is just, in my opinion, a fantastic way to connect with your friends, either through voice or, or video. So, those are the basics. That is what you, you know, have to have, quote unquote. So now, <laughs> let's get into more stuff. Because there are things that make, especially GMing, easier. And that is screen share. Now, I am going to talk about most of this through the the lens of Discord. But screen share functionality is available in Zoom as well as other video conferencing softwares. Uh, But if you're trying to describe a room, sometimes it's just easier to show a picture. And that's where a screen share comes in. Uh, You're able to screen share maps, screen share images of NPCs. Uh, You can also just link those items in your your text channel. Many times while we're on this podcast, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where we'll be talking about something and we want to see it. It literally already happened. They were making fun of my monitor setup. Yes. So while we were talking, I took a picture of my monitor setup. And sent it to them while we were recording. The power of technology, y'all. The power of ridicule, y'all. I hate Aww. you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Don't, don't knock my monitor setup. I, I like okay, it. okay. Listen, <laughs> but you noticed how I immediately knew why one of your monitors was vertical. I mean, yes, obviously. That's because I my setup at home I goofed when I ordered my monitors, um, and so like they're stuck horizontal. Ooh, like they only sorry. I know I goofed I goofed when I ordered them. Um, my monitors that work, I will periodically switch back and forth uh, with one horizontal, one vertical when I need to do code related things. So I, there are just certain times that I find it more convenient. Usually when I'm reading a giant wall of text. Yeah. This next thing, I want you guys to hear me out. Because it's weird. But I used to run one of my Pathfinder 1 games out of PowerPoint. I respect that. (laughs) It's a power move, and I know that. I'm intrigued. I respect that a lot. I have actually made multiple PowerPoint presentations for games. And we're talking, (laughs) I would put background music in my PowerPoints, uh, especially those that were going to be in person. Hmm. I mean, this is as recently as the beginning of last year before quarantine. Uh, Of course, during quarantine, uh, in the beginning, I kind of used PowerPoints a little bit, but I. moved on to some other options that we'll talk about. But you can have, you know, pictures appear. You can have a map in PowerPoint with, with, with the different de- destinations. And when you need to go to a certain slide, you can click on that destination. PowerPoint can get complicated, y'all. I'm telling you. Uh, it was an easy way to share visual information. I'm pretty sure that's what it was intended to do, so. See? See? (laughs) I I also found it very easy to teach new players how to create characters by creating a PowerPoint. And multiple systems I have done this. We created uh, werewolf characters uh, uh, based off of a PowerPoint. Man, I wish Jessie was here. She was there for for that one. (laughs) So. PowerPoint. Keep it. Keep it in mind. Keep it in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, then <clears throat> you have places where you can share your notes. Uh, obviously, you can use Discord again. 
one of the things that we do whenever we have a session, Jesse will post before we start playing a summary of the previous session. And we'll pin that in, you know, one of our channels saying, okay, you know, this is all that happened. Uh, you can create a Google Doc that is collaborative. Everybody can be editing that thing right at the same time. That's what we do for these episodes, actually. Uh, and then finally, I am really partial to OneNote documents. Uh, if you don't have a Microsoft license, you could use, is it called Elephant Notes? I have to Google it. Evernote. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's it, yeah. I was like, I've never heard of Elephant Notes, but I have no, heard of Evernote. So it has a little elephant on its icon, and that's how I visually. Uh, but anyway, I do that for. Or I used to do that for a lot of my planning for campaigns and stuff. Uh, but you could also use that as a way for your player players to share notes. So those are some, in my opinion, basic ways for you. Excuse me. Let's get a cl clean cut of that. These are just some basic ways for you to up your tabletop game. So now, let's talk a little bit more in depth. Right? We have stage one, stage two. Now we're into the weeds of it. Everything up to this point has been using mostly theater of the mind. You are describing a room. You are describing positioning. All of the combat is really taking place in your mind's eye. However, there are uh, pieces of software that you can use to take all of that guesswork out of it. There are um, five major ones that I could find. Three of them I am not familiar enough to talk about. And that's Foundry, a Table Plop, and Astral. Tableplop, I just learned about today. Foundry and Astral I already knew about, but uh, have sort of put my eggs in a different basket. Uh, I'm going to include down below uh, an online guide that kind of talks about the pros and cons of all of them, uh, so you can get even more, <clears throat> excuse me, in-depth, if you want to. If you really want to test out all five of them. I'm just going to talk about the two that I am familiar with and have had experiences with. And that is Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. Now, how, what have each of you guys used? I know you all have used Fantasy Grounds because I make you use it. Yep, that's true. Uh, but I think you've all used uh, Roll20 as well. No, we've all, at least for one session, I think, used Roll20 here in this group. Uh, yeah, we had like that snow day situation where we were all like, let's not drive places. Let's not die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Welcome to the Midwest where it snows uh, and then rains and then is warm the next day. Yeah. So I think we used Roll20 for that. I also briefly used Roll20 for one of my other games. Um, but now we've switched entirely to either screen share or theater of the mind. Yeah. And a lot of people just find that easier. Again, mm -hmm. this is for people who really want that more tactile experience, in my opinion. Mm. So I'm going to start with Roll20. And the reason that I want to focus on Roll20 first is because it's the cheapest. Mm -hmm. Roll20 base is going to cost you literally nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh. There is no cost to use it. Now, you can buy modules and things like that uh, that come with like pre-made maps and stuff. Uh, but the base software is free. And what Roll20 allows you to do is create your own world. So you can upload map in images. You can put uh, a grid on that. You can load icons for enemies and NPCs, uh, as well as your players. Your players can put their entire character sheet. Uh, it has a dice roller. It has r base rules. So anything from like the core rule book of Pathfinder is going to be in there. It will allow you to 
honestly one of my favorite features and fantasy grounds does not have this it will allow you to upload royalty free music and you can play it and all your players will hear it so for my extinction curse game i'm currently running that out of roll 20 i do in fact have a circus playlist that plays while we uh fight clowns and stuff it's great i love it <laughs> uh but i will put up rules in there my players will do their roles in there they don't have to uh there is functionality where i have a turn order for initiative and stuff i can input anybody's manually or you can roll your initiative and with some quirks it'll show up in the turn order Mm -hmm. there are going to be quirks and i'm not here to talk about all of them because i will literally be here all day (laughs) and i just nobody wants that (laughs) there are some limitations for sure you're gonna want to use high resolution maps heard me talk about resolution before your like mode that you're in really matters so the way that they do the maps is they'll have layers so you have the map layer then you have your token layer and then you have a gm layer and you have to make sure you're in the right layer for you know everything to show up properly and that can cause issues like there is a learning curve however in terms of a pick up and go application this is it there is definitely a wealth of information online it's easy to google about i say within 20 minutes you could have a full-fledged campaign uh is it going to be bare bones absolutely but there are a lot of free resources uh and things you can buy uh one of the things that i did was i bought the adventure path that's been created in roll 20. it was the same cost as the adventure path if i had bought a physical copy which i usually do i have physical copies of all the adventure paths and <clears throat> one of the things that you can do that i find really nice is if you link your paizo account to roll 20 uh and this is for fantasy grounds as well actually you'll get 50 percent off anything that you already bought so if oh. you bought the pdfs you you'll get 50% off. So all of the online work cost me essentially $10. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah, that is actually. I could have done it myself. I could have ripped those images, uploaded them to the system myself. It is literally just saving me time. And I just don't want to I, do it. I feel like it's a lot of time, though, to do that. It absolutely is. Uh, It is a web-based application, so you do have to be connected to the internet. That's been the case of most of the things that we're talking about. Discord, um, you can use on your phone. Roll20's mobile is not great. I do not recommend it. But you can do it. Then you have Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy Grounds, in my opinion, is the better of the two. And that's just me being transparent. However, it is not pick up and go. Nope. <laughs> nope. As this group has definite can definitely attest to. <sighs> Still uh, trying to figure it out. <laughs> if you really want to learn fantasy grounds, you're going to have to invest minimum two hours of your time. Honestly, it's going to be more than that. There's a lot of things it can do, and I love it as a GM. As a GM, I also can buy a personal license. So I have a license where I pay a monthly fee. Uh, you can just buy the software outright. It's like $150 or something. Uh, but I pay a monthly fee. I pay $10 a month. And uh, then my players don't pay anything because I'm the GM. Thank you, Beth. It, it was the only way I was going to get it to happen, and I'm okay with that. Uh, because I really like it. However, it definitely has quirks. It is not for somebody who just wants to 
upload an image and go. It's not going to be that. You cannot create a campaign in 15 minutes. If you're going to create a campaign from scratch and not use a prefabricated one, I, I mean, again, minimum two hours. But even then, I think that's pushing it. Uh, now, prefab, I think once you get used to the software itself, it's very easy for you to pick up and go. But you're already used to the software. There's a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, however, there are things that that Fantasy Grounds does really nice. Inventory management. Pull buddy. It's literally drop and drag. It's amazing. Right? And as the GM, I can manage the entire party's inventory. Uh, I wish that it, it, there was some more functionality there. And I know that they always have things planned. It's a small indie company. But the fact that I can take a enemy's loot, I can link it in the chat and say, hey, this is what you got, and then just drop it into the party loot. I don't have to worry about it again. There's no writing this stuff down. There's no taking notes. It's all right there. Uh, if you buy the modules, again, they're 50% off if you've already bought them from Paizo. And it has uh, all of the uploaded images and a story. Uh, it has a lot of searchable features. Uh, yeah, it's really great. One of the things that I like the most are the physical dice. Again, there's a learning curve, but you drag the, dra the dice up into the chat and it will physically roll them. You can watch it roll across your screen. The animation is pretty nice. <laughs> it really is. It's really neat. You can also do secret rolls. You can talk in different languages, which I think is really cool. Uh, so if if uh, an enemy wants to say something in uh, Draconic, you can type something out and it'll show up like it's in Draconic, but it'll show up for the characters that speak Draconic. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it also tracks fast healing. As long as you have all of this input, as long as you set everything up, it does this automatically. That's the catcher. So you've got to set it up, right? <laughs> but it will track <laughs> fast healing. It will track conditions that are on. It'll do uh, reoccurring damage. Now, we don't usually do those things because I don't set them up. Um, I also don't require you guys to put your full characters in the application. Which is good, because I figured out last time my character sheet isn't even correct in there. <laughs> well, because we like to roll our dice physically sometimes. Also, I figured out with alchemical items that it's almost impossible to put them all into... Um, there's like an actions tab where you can keep all right. your weapons. And then you can set it up so that you can just drag and drop all of your weapon damage that you want to do. But with alchemical bombs, it was just more effort than I was willing to. I'm sure you could do it if you wanted to take right. the time and put in every single one. But like, mm -hmm. since Ashka knows like every bomb formula, I was like, you know what's not worth it? That. So I have a Google Docs sheet and I also a formula note, an actual physical formula notebook that I write down stuff in mm -hmm. um, in order to keep track of those. Yeah. And that is really what I would recommend. If you're a GM interested in using Fantasy Grounds, honestly, let your players <laughs> like kind of figure stuff out as they go. Uh, don't force it on them right away. Uh, like, force everything on them right away. Because it's just a lot. It's just a lot. Uh, but definitely, I, I would look into it. Uh, it is a desktop application, so you do have to install that. And we have found that there are some interesting Mac compatibility issues. Well, just some of the versions of Mac uh, operating system. It, it does not work with 32-bit, which uh, Fantasy Grounds definitely works, requires 32-bit access. And this is for the classic version, uh, which yeah. is what we currently use. I use uh, Fantasy Ground Unity because... Uh, Again, 
Of course, it's complicated. There's two different versions of this software. Um, I used the Unity version and had less issues on the Mac side. Uh, but I found that out later, again, with much research. But uh, my, my solution around my Mac issue was had to figure out how to partition my drive. Uh, if you're not technical, technically savvy, just like I am not technically savvy, uh, this is rather difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Although you did Especially it. Especially like two hours before you're supposed to be, supposed to be on. <laughs> you did do it, and I am still to this very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> I That has been sort of my experience, but I, I, I do want to open the floor up to you guys. Uh, what has been the most frustrating thing about working with Fantasy Grounds, but also what has been the thing you like the most? None of its interface is all that intuitive. You are not incorrect. It does not work like any other program that we currently use, where you left-click and then right-click opens up like some other menu or whatever does not work that way. Uh, the drag and drop thing, that you have to drag the dragon and drop it over somewhere else, which I assume is a pun on their part, it, it takes some getting used to. But once you kind of figure out the little hooks of, okay, maybe I just try to drag this thing over here and, and put it there, and oh, okay, that's what happens. So like, I'll just try that every time I want to do something. Then you kind of get over a little bit of that initial learning curve. But then again, I, like I said, my character sheet's incorrect. My my stat block's wrong. So. <laughs> Which I find hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to work the character sheet so that I can try to come finish my, my character on there. Uh, I, I It still will not let me uh, advance my character any further as a champion. So that is fun to figure out, and I'm missing several feats that I just cannot find. But I know that they're hmm. in there somewhere. I just can't. They may figure not it out. be. So oh. I will say this: if you have feats and stuff that come from other resources other than the core rulebook, you do have to either one buy the book, and then that becomes available to both you and all your players. Again, fifty percent off. Blah blah blah. Mm. Or you have to input it manually. So I'm looking for stuff from Which is Bastion. The Bastion uh, subclass. No, that's not Do right. Do you know what book that but, was in? Because it may be that I just don't own that book. That was Advanced Player's Guide. I wonder if I bought that. It was one of them 40 archetypes. That were yes. Yeah, I did buy the Advanced Player's Guide. I'll have to work with you on that because I think there's a way to do what you to, to find it. But here's the thing. If you're not familiar with the interface of adding feats and stuff like that, it can be a bit of a chore. And sometimes for players, it's not worth it. I, I think overall, it's that I am a, a dum-dum when it comes to technology and figuring out new programs. It's, it's honestly an issue for me. So, but uh, as far as like good things to say about it, uh, like you were saying, inventory management, that is awesome to be able to just... Mm -hmm. Hey guys, so yeah, you got all this loot right here. Just right over here. Go take a look, grab whatever you want, put it into your inventory. You just drag it and it's amazing. That, that works so smoothly. I've never seen something that easy. Yeah, so. it it is very nice. I agree with you there. Maps. David? Map sizing. Oh. <laughs> Map sizing. That can I, sorry, I was like for... thinking, I was like, I had something to complain about. Um, and it's map sizing. So what size the map or any image is going to be when it pops up on your screen when the DM is like, look at this thing I want to show you. <laughs> Wildly variable. Literally anyone's guess. Um, and you have to fiddle around with how you want to resize the map until you can get it to a place where you can like look at even like most of it. Some of the battle maps are like really big. And if you're me and you have it open on like a laptop, your laptop screen is often not enough room mm -hmm. to both look at your character sheet and whatever map is open at the same time. And 
it is a single window application. You can open two instances, but usually that doesn't work well for you. Where roll 20, you can actually open up your character sheet in another window. So I can put my character sheet up on another screen and have the map up on my primary screen. I can't do that with Fantasy Ground. Is there even an option to like have the window stretched across multiple monitors? I've never tried. Um, hold on. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, that might be a solution. Yeah, it kind of looks weird, but I have a weird monitor set up. So, <laughs> that wouldn't really work for me. But, yeah, you can spread it across both your monitors. Uh, one of the things that I really like is you can make a map the background. Now, that has to be done per user. Uh, but it is, I find it very convenient. So, anything that I pull up will pull up on top of the map. So, you know, I'll have all my enemies up in a row on my left-hand side, and I'll have uh, the location up on the right-hand side. Yeah, there's definitely, like I said, a learning curve. David, you got anything you wanted to add? Nah, I said my piece. I was like, you out of things <laughs> to complain about? It is not perfect. That is for dang sure. And like I said, if you're looking for something to just plug an image and go, this ain't it. Ain't it. However, I do find it highly customizable. If you're somebody who loves to build a world and you want to find, you know, clip art and pre-drawn maps, or if you want to draw your own maps and then upload the image, there is some crazy stuff that you can do in there. The custom ability of it is just phenomenal once you learn it so there are actually things you can use that are even more advanced than fantasy grounds in world 20 two of them that i want to mention are tabletop simulator uh which is literally <laughs> it it is difficult to use but you can build board games in there and hmm already have you you can look at like pre-made stuff uh and then tabletopia these allow you to kind of do the same thing you create tokens uh you create rules you have a lot of custom ability uh but i would recommend those things for more board game uh, scenarios than I would for Pathfinder 2. Finally, if you want to be a complete mad woman, <laughs> you could use uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. I'm very curious. What? This is, this is a <laughs> video game that you can create custom maps and oh. then your players can come in as characters and do it, it is turn-based combat. And I know a friend of mine who bought the game and created his own campaign, started to, I don't think he ever finished, in Divinity Original Sin. That's wild. Awesome. You do it in the original, too. Yeah, it's completely, it's madness is what it is. Uh, <laughs> you want to talk about investing some time. My goodness. That would take so much time. I think it'd be easier to do it in Fantasy Grounds. But here's the thing. But, if you already spent 100 hours playing Divinity Original Sin, you already know the system. Maybe it won't take you as long. I don't know. And you'll have an interesting, like, 3D map, I guess, to work with. Yep. Like, yep. that sounds pretty interesting. It Mind looks you, really I'm cool. I'm not that insane, but that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a fun game. Uh, I've never finished the second one, but I finished the first one. I've barely uh, gotten through the beginning of the first one. It's very good, but very long. Um, yes. Highly recommend. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, I have some friends who play that on Friday nights. Hmm. Highly recommend uh, that if you if you don't want to play Pathfinder. But uh, you but should. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tr trust me. Like, I do video game nights. Uh, right now, I have a group of friends who are all in a WoW guild. 
uh, they're actually doing mythic dungeons right now. Um, while I'm recording this, uh, I would rather play Pathfinder any day of the week, online or otherwise. So, I know this episode is probably coming out pretty late. A lot of you guys have already, you know, sunk into your habits with your groups already. But I still wanted to put this together. There is actually a forum post that went up yesterday. (laughs) Uh, uh, And as we're recording it, it is the 26th of January. Uh, This forum post went up yesterday talking about what virtual tabletop systems to use. And I, we had already planned on recording this episode. You know, I had already done a bunch of research. And that's where I found out about Tableplop, which is just an awful name. It really and is. I have to say so myself. It's just awful. I was holding my back so, myself back so often from laughing when you first it's, mentioned it. It's really it. bad. <laughs> like... There's also, by the way, I do want to mention there are some like world building a- uh, applications you can use. Like I think there's one called Obsidian Portal that we used to use back in college uh, that was world building. There's just so many resources out. And I've only covered some of them. So don't isolate yourself from your friends, from your family. Play virtual tabletop instead. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) That's a good TED Talk. I hope you guys learned something. And and I hope you find the system that's right for you. And if that truly is a screen share PowerPoint, know that you are not alone and I respect you. Chad, you want to take us out? Well, that's it for this episode of Dice Don't Die. Let us know what you think about these methods. Also, tell us what you're using to play with friends. Uh, We'll talk to you all later. And remember, dice don't die. But player characters do, even online. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.